lounge, grab yourself a nice beverage, have a seat, and listen to some good old football talk for the next hour or so to the soothing tunes as we bring you in of Greg Conrad. Thank you so much, Greg Conrad. A a good friend goes way back, made some nice jazz tunes here for us as we enter the football lounge. I'm Dan Vasco, along with Mark Hespin, as always. Mark, we have quite a show coming up here today, that is for sure. Listen, the NFL is so close to being back, we can almost taste it. We're going to release our inhibitions, and we're going to let the rain fall on. I, I screwed up the last part of it, but you know what we're saying. Uh, love love the energy that Greg Conrad's bringing in with this new music that we've added to the show, and uh, it's going uh, to be a lot of fun. Dan, uh, I really don't want to waste any time. Uh, there's so much news to get to, and we're going to be doing our big AFC preview Uh, So I vote we just jump right in. Yeah, absolutely. We got those predictions coming up next, who we think is going to be making the playoffs uh, this year in the AFC. That'll be coming down the wire in a little bit, but we're going to start with our opening act, some of the breaking news of the day, and we have quite a few developments over this weekend. But we'll start, Mark, with obviously the big news of the day here on a Monday. Leonard Fournette has been cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars and you know, hate to say you're super surprised, uh, but, you know, can't really say that. Um, the Jaguars and, and uh, Leonard Fournette uh, have had some tensions uh, going back about a year now. And uh, here we are, Leonard Fournette, out of the free agency market. Yeah, well, as, as we record this right now, um, we, we have no idea where Leonard Fournette is going. Uh, at 3.40 local time for me, uh, central time here in, in, in Illinois. Hasn't been picked up yet. Um, I want to say, obviously, was shocked um, just because, I mean, I think we all knew the Jags going into this year were certainly not going to be contenders, uh, but they they just keep making moves now to make it look like they are going full-on white flag at this point in time before the season even really gets going. Uh, and, you know, I think Doug Marone, his quote, said it best when they asked him, why would you decide yeah, to just release him instead of trade him? He's like, we've been trying. No one will give us anything. And... That's the, um, you know, that's the negative effects you can see as a player. When you're a player and you are causing disturbances and you're causing frustrations within an organization, even if you're a, considered a high-level talent or at least were at one point in time, this isn't the NBA. I mean, the NFL is a different, league, a different breed of guys when it comes to this, and you see how quickly you can go from a fourth overall pick to being cut and no one will even give them a six-rounder for it. Um Dan, I, I mean, my thoughts on it, too, is if the rest of the NFL knows that the uh, the situation is that bad in Jacksonville, why trade anything if you had the sense that you're going to get it, he's going to get cut, you could have a chance to well, pick him up at the free agent that's market? That's the thing, because there's there's no reason to do it. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's the chess part of the National Football League, where if you know something's coming down the wire, you're not going to sense, uh, you know, a valuable fifth round, sixth round, uh, sometimes even seventh round pick. For a player that you know that you can pick up on the you know free agency market uh, on the waiver wire, and you know at the end of the day, then you remove even more leverage that that player would have in any particular negotiations moving forward as well. I mean, at this point, uh, you know, I I wasn't super surprised. I mean, obviously he's a productive player, he's talented, uh, he has a lot going for him. He's still young; he's only played three seasons in the league. But at the end of the day, Jacksonville kind of you know showed you what their intentions were from the start. I mean, their intentions were cleaning house over the last couple of seasons here, trying to cut the fat off of the, the, that cap hit that has been pretty hefty on them. 
uh, obviously from 2017 when they had all of those dynamic players and made that run to the AFC championship. Um, so that, that was called while well, the GM's kind of goal going into this, Doug Marone, you know, wanted to clean up, uh, you know, they say clean up the culture. Who's really to say, we don't know, we're not in the locker room, but at the end of the day, I feel like at what point do you put blame on a team and the culture that the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars have created instead of always constantly putting blame on the players? I don't obviously know the particular situation with Leonard Fournette, what he was like there, but I saw something interesting on ESPN, all right? So between 2011 and 2017, Jacksonville had a first-round selection inside the top 10, and none of those players are with the team currently here in 20. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that right now. You're absolutely right. Blaine Gabbert in 11, uh, Justin Blackman, the wide receiver in 12. Obviously he had uh, bad issues with, uh, with drugs, I believe, and couldn't stay on the field. Uh, Luke Jokel, the offensive tackle. He actually lasted a couple of years, but his flamed out is not a good enough player. He's not even in the league right now. Blake Bortles, yeah. obviously in 14, Dante Fowler in 15. He is now with the Falcons after being traded to the Rams, Jalen Ramsey in 16, He's in L.A., and then obviously Leonard Floyd uh, released today. Uh, it's interesting. Oh, the other thing I'll say, too, about what Jacksonville's doing is, you know, a lot of people, and this is, I know, I go back to it, my Bears, people hate on the Bears all the time, right, because they drafted Trubisky. They traded up for Trubisky in in that 17 draft, and, uh, and Mahomes was still on the board. Watson was still on the board, right? Well, there are so many other organizations that you have to honestly look in the mirror about not, you know, uh, passing on Watson and Mahomes, at least the Bears had enough conviction to say, this is the guy we want. Let's trade up and get him. Obviously, they were yeah, wrong, yeah. but I give them that credit. But, I mean, look at what the, the – listen to the, the, the number of running backs drafted after Leonard Fournette in the 2017 draft. Christian McCaffrey, De, uh, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Kareem Hunt, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, and Austin Eckler was an undrafted free agent. All out of that 2017 draft. Uh, Tariq Cohen, you could add in there as well. Not nearly as productive as the many of the other guys on the list. But, I mean, this is just looks like a bad, bad, bad pick all over, all around. And, again, on top of what we already said, with the previous first-round bust from 2011 to 2016, I mean, Jacksonville has massive front office issues, and they cannot get it right. Just as bad, if not worse, than Cleveland. If you take out especially that 17 run to the AFC Championship, I mean, this organization has been – it's just been dreadful. It's been bad all all across the board. It's been terrible, and every move that they've tried to make to kind of patch that up has not worked out for one reason or another. I mean, they they went from the greatest defense in the league to a year later – having a massive drop-off and then here we are now and they're back to being if not the worst team in the league bottom three for sure so yeah um and now you have minimal options at running back and you got Jay Gruden coming in having to work a, a new offense uh bring in there with Gardner Minshew they're gonna have a tough time this year it's gonna be they rough, are I feel now that now luckily I think that division isn't is uh isn't as strong as it was the year before I do think uh especially and I mean mainly just because I think Houston's worse off without Hopkins uh that's literally yeah. what I base that on um but I, I mean honestly right now and I'll tell I'll tell you when we get into our AFC predictions it I have Jacksonville as the worst team in the league right now. I, I mean, I just record-wise, as I went through it, 
I, I just don't see them. Uh, I don't know. I really just, I, I don't see them winning very many games. And that's, I think what their goal is for this year. You mentioned it in the eight picks in the first five rounds uh, uh, for this next year's draft. They're going to be young. They have picks, but again, yeah. do I trust them to pick the right guys? They haven't picked the right guys in the past. They got to get the quarterback the problem, position. Right? <laughs> got to get the quarterback position solved first and foremost. You go from there. Um, I don't know Th- them in Cincinnati and Washington and the Giants. To me, uh, th- those are the teams I'm keeping my eye on for that number one overall pick. But I think Jacksonville's got their. Uh, if you're a uh, Trevor Lawrence, you can start uh, planning your trip to start apartment shopping and house shopping in Jacksonville. I got to be honest. Yeah, you know, and he gets to stay in the South. You know, that might actually be one of the options that he would prefer. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, but we'll s- stick with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars because uh, Leonard Fournette's release wasn't the only major news coming out of uh, Jacksonville uh, over the past couple days. Uh, they also traded Yannick Ngakwe, a very uh, promising uh, defensive end to the Minnesota Vikings for a 2021 second round selection, as well as a 2022 fifth round selection with some contingencies there. That fifth rounder can be dropped to a fourth round pick if Ngakwe makes the Pro Bowl this season, and it can be dropped to a third round pick if Ngakwe makes the Pro Bowl and the Minnesota Vikings win the Super Bowl. So obviously those are you know some higher um, <laughs> contingencies there, but nonetheless, yeah. uh, you know, they still... Uh, the they still get some added draft picks, um, but give away their most promising player on defense. There's no question. And Gonkwe is now the leader on that defense and they trade him too. They are, they are just, they've been wiping the slate clean for the past three seasons. Well, I, you know, that move and then the Fournette move, it makes me feel like we know shot Khan. He's got the ties to London, the owner of the Jags. Uh, you know the NFL wants a team in London. Uh, the Jags have been playing the most games in London. I went to the Bears-Raiders uh, yeah, game that's... in London last year. I spent you majority there? of the – I was there. I was at the game. I don't. Oh, I, I told awesome. you that, I didn't, didn't I? I don't, I don't I remember, I remember that. Listen, I, I mean, posted maybe all like send a Snapchat media. or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I was I there. Know. I was there 20 rows up in the north end zone of the brand-new stadium there just in north London, uh, the one uh, that's the soccer stadium, the first ever – Football, specifically football built American football built stadium in in uh, in the in England uh, in Europe. It was it was first off a it was amazing. The Bears lost to the Raiders. That was the game Mitch didn't play. He got injured in the Washington ah, win. Right. Yep, yep. Remember Mitch was playing really well in Washington. That Washington win, but he injured was. the AC joint. <laughs> then I had to I had to travel I flying across the you know the pond to watch uh, Chase Daniel. Actually, you know what? It was the week before he got injured in the Minnesota game. Like the first plays the Minnesota game. Excuse me. He was really good against Washington, bad against, uh, gets injured like the first series against Minnesota. Chase Daniel gets the win against Minnesota, but then the Bears lose uh, to to Oakland. Anyways, okay, this isn't a Bears talk, but what the point I'm trying to make with this is the the um, the the fans in London. I actually talked to. I sat around a lot of people, and obviously the people who were there, fairly well off people who like you know want to be there. They're, they think of it as an event. I was sitting next to these like group of seven guys, middle-aged guys, all London businessmen, all you know, fairly well off, and they all hope the Jags move there. They want the Jags move there. They 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 go to the games. They think London would love to have a team. Uh, and I'm just saying, honestly, at what point in time does the NFL have to step in and just say, "Listen, 
It's not working in Jacksonville for whatever reason. We have an owner who we like and we trust in in Shad Khan. I don't think it's the owner's fault. I just think that you get guys there. It's a losing culture, and good players don't want to stay there. And I'm and I'm sorry, but 20 years ago, guys just stayed in places more. You can't just count on guys staying in a place to stay in a place anymore. You can't. Uh, these guys yeah. force their way out, uh, and it sucks. You see it happen with the Jets and Jamal Adams. Now, that's more of a losing culture thing, and that's a, that's a huge problem in and of itself with bad ownership. But I, I just think it, at some point in time, if the Jets, if the Jags, excuse me, can't turn it around now with all these picks that they're getting, I, I, I just think it's, it's Jags writing on the wall heading to England sooner than later. And my final point on this before we move on, I know we got to get going here, but uh, my final point in this is why the heck did they have to trade in Minnesota? That sucks. As a Bears fan, not happy about this. An already good part of Minnesota's team gets better. Uh, the Bears' offensive line, I like. It's growing. It's it's still fairly young, uh, molding as a group. But, man, that, that Minnesota front is vicious right now. And Aaron, uh, Matt Stafford, and whoever's going to be behind center for the Bears could not have been happy to see that move be made for Minnesota, that's for sure. Yeah, they certainly, you know, opened things up and uh, improved instantly with this pick. I mean, you talk about a defensive line that was already really good. Um, and then, you know, not even factoring Everson Griffin into the equation anymore, you still have now a dominant front with Daniil Hunter and Yannick Ngakwe. You have uh, a duo of great linebackers in Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. And then you have a duo on the back end in Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. I know. Um, not to mention some solid cornerbacks, too. I mean, they have a very good defense. Obviously, Mike Zimmer's uh, been a defensive guy his entire tenure there with him and, and in the NFL. He knows how to run defense, and he's always had good defenses. But with these players, you can't not have a good defense. And now that they, um, you know, have a hopefully, they, they hope at least Delvin Cook uh, stays healthy for the whole year and improve on offense, they're going to be someone to watch out for as well. Uh, but it's just crazy. I mean, and Gakwe was obviously a, a very promising young player. He's super young, and he's now going to be going to the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, hey, if I were them, I'd give away a 2021 second and a fifth-round pick the following year. I mean, that's – yeah, why not? They're in win-now mode. He's yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota's in as win-now mode as you can be. Um, I actually think you'll be surprised next week when we talk Minnesota where I think Minnesota's going to fall in the in – the, uh, in the rankings, I don't want to give any anything away, but I think you'll be I think you'll be surprised. Um, but they are definitely in win now mode. Um, so I think the story on the Ngakwe tree, the the Fournette story is more. The Jags are in full on tank mode now, and they're and and obviously then the embarrassment that they are you can get into. The Ngakwe move is the story is really Minnesota and how how a good team got better. Um, so uh, at least one side of the ball got better on a really good team. So. Uh, It'd be interesting, but uh, yeah, of course, you know, I was like, I was, you know, I see that news. I'm just like, are you kidding me? All right, here we go. This game's going to be more teams, interesting. Right? <laughs> well, as we continue through the breaking news segment, we still have some more. It's a lot of stuff. Loaded show. Uh, so we'll quickly touch on this here, Mark. I, I feel for the guy. Derwin James injured once again. Uh, as of right now, I don't believe we know all of the details, how long it's going to be. I've heard some rumors of a meniscus, um, but nonetheless, the Pro Bowl safety for the Los Angeles Chargers goes down yet again, second time in three years in the league here. Missed all of last season, 
you feel for the guy, you feel for the Chargers. They had a really good defense. He was obviously one of the best safeties instantly when he came into the league, jumped onto the scene. And here he is dealing with another injury. I mean, that really sucks when you talk about players, especially early in their careers that can't get out onto the field. Yeah, you know, my instant reaction to this was, again, feel bad for him, feel bad for the Chargers. And my mind immediately starts going to, well, I can no longer consider him necessarily an elite safety until I start to see it again. Uh, This is, I mean, this is uh, now a guy who I also think is now just maybe injury prone. Uh, by maybe no fault of his own, uh, you know, just the way things work. It's obviously unfortunate. I will say the other thing that this this really makes me think about is the Chargers are one of those interesting teams, a team that uh, you think if they can just get consistent quarterback play with the offensive weapons they have and the defensive line, the defensive front they had with him in the back end could actually maybe make some noise, especially with the extra wild card. But now I start to look at the Chargers as a team that could this just be a quick falling apart? Is this now a team with an injury like that? And if he misses the first, you know, month or two and you say the Chargers start off 0-3, is this now a team that just starts to fall apart really quickly and and their season could unravel? I'm not sure. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt to watch. But I think this, this, I think, and you'll see as we talk about it, an injury like this, I didn't have the Chargers making the playoffs. This certainly hurts their chances even more. Uh, so, you know, uh, obviously feel for the guy. But And now he's injury prone. That's just that's just what it is. And maybe the rest of his career he'll be a healthy player, great pro bowler, all pro guy. But right now he's just an injury prone guy at this point. I would say, I mean, he could just be injury plagued as well. Yeah. There's a distinction. Because if this guy, like, a little bit. like who who knows even how this happened? You know what? If um, you know if a if someone came across or the running back, you know, lowered his shoulder right into his knee, and it's like a fluke, like crazy thing. But you know, these are the conversations you have, especially with you know the Carson Wentz's of the world and things like that. Are they yeah. just a player that's gonna have to deal with stuff all the time, or are they a player that's been unlucky a couple times? I, I guess we'll find out um, as you know his career progresses. Um, but currently uh, not getting off to the great start. I agree with you. The Chargers weren't a team that were probably going to make my playoff list. We'll get to, obviously, those selections later, but, you know, the cat's out back there, and I don't think many expected it, to be honest. They're in such a tough division, and then on top of it, you got to have – you're going from a Hall of Fame quarterback in Phillip Rivers to Tyrod Taylor, who's not a terrible quarterback, but certainly not on that, you know, elite level at all. And, um, you know, as to, as to your point, too, with the defense, I mean, if this is a, if this is a list of kind of the defense, especially unraveling with Melvin Ingram only there for one more year guaranteed now, he's got this season, he may be gone after this year. You're starting to see kind of some things start to unravel. I think Anthony Lynn's a great coach, and I think they'll, they'll still be able to be competitive in games and things like that. But, yeah, it really stinks when one of, one of your best players goes down, but such as life in the NFL, right? You kind of have to take the punches and, you know, that's what depth is all about. So we, well, we don't have time for it right now, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to forget that you quickly slipped in very easily hall of fame quarterback, Phillip rivers. Um, I don't think that's as easy as a slip in as you could say. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, hall will, of fame. Uh, um, Cal- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, I, I, well, I'll fair, let it slide fair. right I'll, now. I'll that's I'll a debate for another that, day, so but, uh, 
Uh, that's a debate for another day, but uh, we'll, we we will digress in our next segment. Maybe maybe you could say like he's he's Hall of Fame bubble, so to speak. We'll, we'll say that. I, mean, I don't think yes. he, I don't think he's Agree with probably going to make Agree the Hall the of Fame, bubble. but but he's uh, he's in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, uh, that's a fair point though. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, on to um, you know one of the more fun segments we have going on here. It's our bold strategy cotton quote or statement of the week, and here we go. It's out of Philadelphia there, Mr. Jason Peters, asking for more money if he's going to be moved from right guard to left tackle. And do you want to talk about injury-plagued players? Well, we got to talk about injury-plagued teams because, my goodness, the Philadelphia Eagles have had their share of injuries over the past few years. And here they are once again having to switch up things along the offensive line. They originally were putting Jason Peters at right guard, uh, he's 38 years old. Brandon Brooks went down with a torn Achilles. So they're like, all right, we got to get our veteran guy there at right guard. And then, of course, their 2019 first-round pick, Andre Dillard, who's supposed to be their left tackle, uh, tore his biceps in practice, and he's expected to miss the season. So hence the decision to probably move him to left tackle, but he is not going to do such a thing unless he gets paid more. Don't have a direct quote, but we have plenty of reports saying Jason Peters wants his money if he's going to have to take up this role, he's due $1.8 million in base salary here in 2020 with incentives that could earn him up to $6 million uh, total for the year. So here we are, a guy around the $2 million bubble there, 38 years old, nine Pro Bowls under his belt, the majority of them at tackle. And, you know, here he is getting moved back and he wants more money. I. You know, Mark, I, I'm not sure exactly what to make of this. This is kind of a tough one because you want to say, all right, you're a veteran guy, you've done this, and we're moving you to the most important position along the line. And so you want to get paid accordingly. But here's the thing as well. I mean, the guy was due $1.8 million in base salary uh, before the switch to right guard and but like before they knew Brandon Brooks was going to, you know, tear his Achilles and have him move. So I, to me, this kind of smells more like a person who just maybe sees uh, a possibility to take advantage of a situation and say, hey, if you want me that bad, I see that you guys really need a left tackle. So if you're willing to pay me, then maybe I'll just, uh, you know, go over there. I mean, I literally think this is a legitimate, bold strategy from Jason Peter. I mean, here, here's a guy really who talk about is. a talk about a guy who's who's legitimately a a, a a in the bubble Hall of Fame guy. Peters has been a great Eagle for a long time. He had many many Pro Bowls, All Pro guy a couple times, I think even, uh, and a guy that was retired. Basically, they brought him back last year because they needed him because of injuries on the O line. Then their uh, their All World guard, who I think is one of the top three or four guards in the in the game, goes down. So they bring him back this year. To say, all right, you know our system at least. It, we don't, we're not going to ask you to play tackle. We'll just put you at guard. It, it won't be ideal, uh, but we'd rather have you here than anyone else, and at least you could be a veteran, help the young guys start uh, for the most of the games. And then really a massive bummer with the young promising tackle going down. I think Peters is the obvious move here. I think he is he's literally, I think, just going to use the press to say, you guys need me now more than ever. I would love to move out to tackle. You want me a guard? I'm happy to either. Maybe can I squeeze a little more money out of this? I think he probably deserves a little more money for what he's going to be asked to handle this year. And I'll just say this. It, 
The Eagles are a team, and we'll talk about this, I have really high hopes for. I am going to stay positive with the Eagles, even though they have been one of the most injury-plagued teams in the NFL for the past three years. And uh, and somehow um, they still find ways to make the playoffs. I think it's a testament to Doug Peters and the talent that they do have. I will just say this. Um, I'm going to try to remain positive on this. I think it's a smart move by Peters. I don't think he's going to get much more because I think at this point, you know, one bad week for Jason Peters at either guard or tackle, he gets cut like that. And they'll just go with the youth and try to maybe piece together some young guys or make a trade or do something. Uh, but Philly's offensive line could legitimately be what keeps them, in my opinion, from being uh, on uh, playing for a Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday. I think they're that good. I like Carson Wentz that much. Uh, I like them in the NFC that much. But that offensive line and that left side of the offensive line is is a massive red flag. And uh, Jason Peters, he's going to try and make as much as he can uh, to keep it uh, pieced together here for the next uh, for the next 16 weeks. Yeah, I mean, I agree with your point there on the Eagles in general. I, I think they're a really good team, too, and I think people sleep on them. Carson Wentz dragged them into the playoffs on his own last year uh, to win the division, and they obviously had practice squad guys that he was throwing to the entire time. Uh, you know, once again, it looks like their rookie receiver, Jalen Rieger, now is is gonna, is gonna hurt as well and, and going to be out for an extended amount of time. So once again, they're dealing with issues there at the receive, in the receiving core. But the offensive line has been one of their biggest issues this entire time. I'm just curious as to if Jason Peters was really, um, you know, not going to be coming back uh, with a $1.8 million base salary if they asked him to come back and play left tackle. In my mind... I, I think he signed on to play for the, the Eagles, and I understand it wasn't the it's not the position that he signed on for, and so he's asking for more money. Uh, and, and, you know, to your point, he probably does deserve some more. I guess it really does depend how much he's actually wanting to get out of this because, you know, he does have the incentives to earn $6 million on the year. I mean, maybe you just add to the incentives and say we'll bump up the incentives up to $8 million if uh, now you can kind of factor in sacks more. You can say, hey, if we can cut down the sack number to this, you know, whatever threshold they want, then you can then we'll tack on an extra two mil or something like that. Um, but it's it's borderline opportunistic, um, but it's also borderline deserved as well. It's a both strategy nonetheless to come back. But once again, he's got all the leverage. He's 38 years old. He gets just say, I, I don't need this. I can retire. I don't need to play. So, yeah, he was he was yeah, retired. So uh, I, to I totally yeah. agree. I totally agree. Yeah, no, nothing major there uh, that he has to worry about so he can just sit back relax and kind of wait for the uh, cash register to click there <laughs> so moving on to uh, our main headlines here and this is of course our AFC playoff predictions this will uh, be an in-depth breakdown on Mark and myself's uh, kind of I, I guess thoughts on how the season's going to pan out um, we're basically going to break these down into seeds uh, who we think is going to get the one seed two seed obviously all the way through seven since the NFL now added that extra uh, seventh seed there for the 2020 season due to all the uh, COVID, um, I guess you could say obstacles. Well, no, that was no, that was added. Is this is this actually? Are, was this actually a part of the overall change moving forward? Yeah, it's exactly it's exactly right. It's part of the new collective bargaining agreement that they got underway. And remember, it's just this year they add the playoff team. Next year they actually add the extra game. Uh, so it's um. This is all just the, the easing That's, into yeah, yeah. 
the new collective bargaining agreement. Um, I think, you know, normally when, you know, when Dan and I, we go through our our main topics, we'll break it down and, you know, Dan will take his time, then I'll take mine. But I think for this this week and next week with the preview, we're just going to go, I think, division by division here. We'll start with the AFC and kind of both, you know, just kind of nail, you know, go go through and give you each at a time who we think the winners are. And then, then I think with the end, we'll reveal who we think is in the playoffs and what seeds and all that. You, you want to... Uh, you want to get us started? You want to pick a division and, and get going? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess we'll just go, um, you know, clockwise. We'll go north, uh, east, south, and west. So let's start with the AFC North. Um, who do you have winning the AFC North this year? It's going to be one of the more competitive divisions in the conference. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what your take is on this. I know a lot of people are high on Baltimore, though, so it's, it's well, hard to I s- count them out, I'm sure. I slept on Baltimore last year, so uh, for my uh, for my sports show that I do here uh, locally in Quincy, I, I I was looking back at my picks for last year, and I got every division winner right in the AFC except for Baltimore. I went with Pittsburgh, then the Big Ben injury, and Baltimore then came like a bat out of hell out of nowhere. I'm not sleeping on Baltimore this year. I uh, I think Baltimore is going to win the division. I think Baltimore is going to be somewhere around the uh, twelve and four to 13 and three, possibly 14 and two, depending on injuries and everything like that. Obviously injuries, you know, it, major injuries wipe everything out. I had, I had Pittsburgh winning the AFC North last year. Big Ben goes down with an elbow and he's out the rest of the year. You got to throw that, you know, prediction out the window. Uh, I like Baltimore at 13. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll say 13 and three. I'll give them around there. Uh, I think they, they win the, the AFC North. Uh, I do think that Pittsburgh uh, comes in second in the division and uh, I have Pittsburgh. Um, I, I won't exactly reveal all my wild card teams yet, but I think they're right there. They're battling. Um, and I think that uh, Pittsburgh, anywhere from nine and seven, I, I would, and I would even go up to 11 and five. I think Pittsburgh's schedule is favorable. I think Cincinnati is going to be bad. I think that you, you have, that could be two easy guaranteed wins. Uh, and I think that Cleveland is going to be worse than people necessarily predict as well. That could also be two guaranteed wins for both Baltimore and Cle- uh, and uh, and Pittsburgh in this division. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's defense is historically underrated and not being talked about enough right now going into the year. I like Big Ben getting back healthy. And Dan, as you'll learn as we go through this for me, when I pick teams and I pick records at the beginning of the year, I look at two, uh, three main things. That's really all I look at. Schedule games, like, I mean, obviously just like, who you're playing when matters or is a is a cold team deep in the south late is a southern team deep in the, in the north late you know that stuff matters to me a little bit but the other two and the most important things are head coach and quarterback and I think they have a hall of fame head coach still and I think they still have a hall of fame quarterback so I like Pittsburgh at 2 in the division Cleveland I'll take 3 in the division I like them somewhere around uh 8 and 8 uh 7 and 9 I really don't see them peaking past eight and eight. I'm not going to go nine and seven. I think Cleveland is uh, is is uh, low end competing for the wild card. I think they'll still be in it because again, there's more wild card slots. But I'll take them at eight and eight. Very interested to see what the new coaching staff does. This is a make or break uh, year for Baker Mayfield. We'll talk about that later, so I don't want to get into it now. And then uh, Cincy uh, bringing up the rear. Listen, since he could be a dumpster fire, and I don't think anyone would blame them. I don't think anything. Uh, I don't think that necessarily cost Zach Taylor a job. I, th- I, I, I'll put Cincy at four and twelve, 
It's, a, it's just a little optimistic there because I like Joe Burrow a lot. I, but that's just more Mark liking Joe Burrow and not having a ton of faith in Cincy. Uh, they could easily end up uh, two wins, one win, three wins. If they win more than four games, uh, I think that's a heck of a job from Cincinnati this year. I'll just be honest. That's my opinion on that. There's my thought on the AFC North. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly in line um, with a lot of what you said right there. Um, the biggest difference for me and, um, you know, any, people say this is, uh, you know, being the the diehard Steelers fan uh, that I am picking the Steelers to win the division. I, I'm picking them to win the division. And uh, it, it's for several reasons. Uh, you mentioned a couple there. They have uh, a lot of continuity there on offense. They have continuity on defense. Uh, coming back as one of the greatest defenses that we've seen in the past 10 years. Uh, and, and they only improved. Uh, they lost Javon Hargrave. It was the only, you know, piece that they really lost on defense, but they plug him in with Chris Wormley on the defensive line and uh, have Tyson Alualu, um, who played really well as well along the defensive line. And a lot of people forget Stefan Tuitt was out almost the entire season last year. Yeah. And he is a Pro Bowl defensive end. He is back now this year. So they get an addition there. They get an extra year out of Devin Bush. Uh, TJ Watt comes back after, you know, what I think should have been defensive player of the year, but uh, he was definitely in the in the running for that last season. Uh, and their secondary is fantastic. So all of those things put together with the offense returning, with Big Ben coming back, he says he's feeling great. He says uh, his elbow's fine. You know, who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it is. But if this team was 8-8 eight and eight last year with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges throwing the football, what – what like I don't even understand how anyone could say that they're going to be worse than they were last year. And I've seen quite a few predictions out there going seven to nine. That's just absurd to me. You insert Ben Roethlisberger, that should get you at least two wins right there and put them at ten and six. I personally think they'll be right around an eleven to twelve win ball club. I think they have the capability to go twelve and four. And I think in such a competitive division that they have. They have figured out Lamar Jackson to an extent. I know they lost to them last year, but they actually did a really good job of corralling Lamar Jackson. Uh, another go at him for two games this season. I think Pittsburgh's going to get the better of them this year, and that's probably what's going to push them over the top for the division. I think Baltimore's right there at 11-12 wins as well, so I have them one, game, one win apart from All each right. other, but I have Pittsburgh on top winning the division there. Um, I agree the Browns come in at number three, and I agree they're roughly around 500. I could see them get nine and seven. I mean, but to me, that's for them to be a 10 and six team, there, a lot has to go right for them. And once again, we're talking about four games where they have to play Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And yeah. I just, you know, my, my guess is they'll probably, Pittsburgh will probably split with Baltimore and, and Cleveland. Uh, that happens pretty often, and they'll probably sweep the Bengals and whatnot. Um, but there's certainly a capability there for the Browns to get swept um, by the uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's huge trouble there. It's Baker Mayfield with yet another system, another coach. And while I like Ke uh, Kevin Stefanski, I think he's the best uh, you know, decision that they've made in several years. I still don't know how the first year is going to work, uh, especially when – you know, things are still trying to click within this offense. They got so much talent, and and all of that talent you would have thought could have overcame some of the issues last year, but they imploded. And I, I'm I'm a guy that 
you know, I'm going to wait until you can show me before I'm going to put you into the playoffs. I'm, I'm not going to just say, oh, this team for sure is going in because of this or that or the talent they have. They haven't shown it yet. Baker Mayfield hasn't shown it yet. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I have them at about a 500 team. And then uh, I think the Bengals could probably eke out a five-win season. And I agree with you. I think that would be a very good season for them. First year for Joe Burrow, get exposure to NFL defenses, and he's playing against some of the best in the league in his own division. Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, all really good defenses. And he's going to get some good exposure there, but it's going to be it's going to be tough for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals to put forward a quality season. But I think five wins is going to be enough to get them on that right track. So that's kind of where I stand there with the AFC North. Um, moving on to the AFC East, who do you have there? Uh, all right, so the AFC East, I'll be honest, uh, to me, this is a this is a tough one. It, it, to me, this is the it's easy to pick the winner. I think Buffalo is going to win the division. I think Buffalo is the team with the talent. They're the playoff team. They got everything going right. They got their coach locked up. They, they make that Stefan Diggs move, which again, that's one of those moves. You're like, Oh wait, yeah, that's right. Stefan Diggs is now on the bills. Uh, Josh Allen, another yeah. weapon for him. Um, I, I really love the bills defense as well. I mean, one of these other really underrated defenses, a lot like the Steelers, you know, there's bigger names and other defenses that you get more talk, you know, but this, that, that Buffalo defense, the schemes they run, uh, I just, that's about as confident as I am in anything in the AFC East. And I will say this, I have Buffalo around 10 and six. I have them winning the division. I have them being the fourth division winner though. I think they are the, they are the fourth division winner. Um, but I don't think that necessarily means they can't make noise in the playoffs, uh, because again, it's an experience thing with Buffalo. Uh, last year, I think they gained a lot of experience in that in that loss to Houston and playing. And Josh Allen's the type of guy I have a lot of faith in continuing to grow. I still think his ceiling is fairly low. I still think his ceiling is a more athletic, just cooler Joe Flacco. But meaning, like I think if pieces go well and things go right and systems work well. He could possibly win a Super Bowl. I don't know if he's a multiple Super Bowl guy or a multi, you know, but he's the, he's the type of guy I like. I like where his career trajectory is going. Fits well in Buffalo. Uh, I have New England at the two in this division. I think New England, to me, I land them right around nine and seven. Again, we'll talk wild cards later. I think they're very much in that fight. I think New England, um, again, here's my problem with New England. We obviously know how much talent they lost, and we obviously know how much talent opted out. They had the most guys opt out, some real talented players. But they have the best head coach in NFL history. They have a quarterback who, in my estimation, is just purely talent alone if he's 100% healthy, like every quarterback is 100% healthy, is a top 12, top 10 talent in the league, and he's extraordinarily motivated. And I think that alone is enough if that, those two things go the way they want to uh, to put them into wildcard contention. And the other thing I have to say is, I'll be honest, I think Buffalo and New England go 4-0 against the Jets and the Dolphins. And my problem with the, the Dolphins and the Jets, I have it's too hard to kind of draw between them. I like the Jets slightly more because I like Sam Darnold a lot. 
but I do not like Adam Gase. I do not like the leadership of Adam Gase. I do not like the structure of the Jets organization. Talk about an organization that's been whiffing on first-round picks. Uh, I don't see the talent on offense uh, besides Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold. I worry about that Jets offensive line. And uh, so I'll, I have them around four and twelve. I got to be honest. Uh, I, I don't. I think this wow. could be a disaster season for them. Uh, they were a team. Last, so last year, I did not have the Browns making the playoffs, and I was very proud of myself for not jumping on the Browns bandwagon. I'm not jumping on the Browns bandwagon last uh, the, again this year. I was on the Jets bandwagon last year. I will not be fooled by the Jets again this year. And Miami, here's my problem. I really love Miami. I love Fitzpatrick. I I love um, the direction the organization is heading. I think there's some real stability. Um, why can't I think of the head coach's first name right now? It's eluding me, uh, but I really like him. Brian, the New England. Brian Flores. Yeah. Flores. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saving me there. Flores is a guy who I, I really, really believe in. I think he's an Anthony Lynn type. I think he's the, got the energy, the personality, uh, the discipline to be at one of the Bill Belichick disciples that really works and really hits. The problem with Miami, Dan, look at their schedule. It is yeah, it's, it's a rough. nightmare, and and, 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 and especially and, the first the first eight no, weeks, they are, could are be they rough, could easily too, be but. two and six or worse. And and that is yeah. not it is not anything to do with Brian Flores. Or Fitzpatrick, who I like and the role he's playing this year uh, as the mentor, but they're going to purposely hide Tua until at least the bye week. I think they could be two and six or worse going into that bye week. You then get the bye, you get Tua, and by then it's late in the year. They Tua wins two or three down the stretch, maybe have some fun. But remember, their two starting wide receivers opted out; they're not playing. So where's the talent? I don't think they have it, and they have a brutal schedule uh, in the first in the first eight weeks. So that's what worries me about Miami. Miami could end up having a better record than the Jets late because of Tua. I will give the Jets the third place in the division because I like Darnold, and I do like Gase and Darnold together. I just don't like Gase as a head coach, and the Jets organization scares me. I would be shocked if the Jets or Miami were in playoff contention. That's what I'll say about this division. Wow, so I've I have a lot to say about this one because I think we we've hit a you know some big disagreements I guess um, which is good we'll break out the fists let's do it I have disagreements with so I agree with you with Buffalo like Buffalo for sure um, is winning the division uh, I don't think it's going to be terribly competitive for that top spot in the division and I think they get it at a ten and six six record so you're you're spot on with that not much more to say about the Buffalo Bills I agree with you I like Sean McDermott think their defense is underrated and they have a good uh, balance on offense uh, Josh Allen can also run the football very well and he adds that extra element uh, and they they're just really good at pulling out close games they're they're good at taking teams down to the wire um, so they're a battle tested unit going into New England though uh, I actually I don't have New England number two in the division here I, I have the Jets number two in the division and I, I hear what you say about Adam Gase. I, I don't think he's given many uh, to be confident about in terms of turning a team around or building uh, necessarily a winning culture that's required. Um, that being said, I think 
I, I truly do think Sam Darnold's a very talented quarterback, and I think with another year under his belt, he's going to show some significant improvement this year. I think Le'Veon Bell, with another year working with Adam Gase's system, I think they'll hopefully figure something out there too. I just think he's too talented of a running back to have the season that he had last year and repeat it. Um, defensively, obviously they do get worse, but then again, Quinn and Williams, uh, should, you would expect him to step into the role of a high first round draft pick in which he was taken last year and be that dominant force along the defensive line. Uh, obviously you don't have the Jamal Adams on the back end and you have issues there on this team. There's no doubt about it. The weapons aren't there either. Jamison Crowder, I think, is a quality slot receiver, but not much more than that in terms of a number one type of guy. So there are there are valid points to be made. I also think Chris Herndon coming back, however, is going to be a huge thing for Sam Darnold. He's going to emerge as Sam Darnold's, you know, safety net, if you will, uh, in my view. I think that's what's going to happen this year with the New York Jets. They're going to be more efficient on offense, and I think Sam Darnold takes that step forward. I think they compete and are able to get themselves to a 500-8-8, maybe even push for a 9-7 and record. So we have a huge disagreement there. That's like a five-game swing. So we'll just have to see how that one pans out. But I, I, I think uh, at a certain point when you have a, a quarterback, the quality of Sam Darnold, you have you know still one of the better running backs in the NFL – you have an improved offensive line. You have, uh, you know, a really, really good tight end coming back and, you know, hopefully having a full season with them. And uh, you still got, you know, weapons in there like the Jamison Crowders, et cetera, to where you can you can pull out some wins here. And I think it's going to be a very crowded division. And I, I, I have them all lumped pretty closely together in terms of their wins. So I don't think anyone's having a absolutely – unbelievably catastrophic season out of the AFC East, but I don't think any of them blow the lid off of anything either. Uh, The Buffalo Bills, the best one at 10 and six. So there's the Jets there at number two. I have them at about eight and eight. Um, Maybe I'll push them to nine and seven, but we'll just say eight and eight for the purposes of this. I have New England at seven and nine, and I think they could be a six and 10 ball club, but I'll give them that. I'll give them a seven and nine. And I know that's, um, it is a bold statement because, as you mentioned, Bill Belichick's the best uh, head coach in the NFL. I agree with that. I also think the Patriots, despite despite how they were able to win some games very convincingly last year, they also had some very, very mediocre games that made you go, wow, there is just no talent on this team, especially on offense. And the defense was obviously pretty solid. You remove about four playmakers from that defense now due to either opt-outs, releases, or trades. Um, and now you're dealing with a defense that's in some big trouble. That really, they are you know scraping the bottom of the barrel to put together the unit week in and week out. Not to mention, this is a defense that Bill Belichick has kind of overseen all of these years. Uh, as a defense that constantly rotates guys, they are always switching dudes out. That's going to be really tough this year because you don't, I mean, even in years past when they didn't even have great starters, that was tough. Now they, now they have to find quality backups to start. That's going to be really tough. I think Cam Newton, I think he'll do fine. He'll be fine. 
But Tom Brady struggled with these this receiving core. Tom Brady struggled with having a Julian Edelman. Now this now perhaps Cam's skill set will translate better. Maybe with having the Julian Edelman who can extend a play here and there and make contested catches and having a quarterback that can also extend the play, maybe that's something where you see some an uptick. But the running game doesn't seem to be getting any better from my perspective. The offensive line is still riddled with issues despite how well their blocking schemes are. And they have no weapons. If The only thing I can think of is if Nikhil Harry comes out and really dominates like he was expected to coming out as, as you know a highly touted draft pick. But obviously he dealt with injuries. Maybe he becomes a good red zone target. I just, it's tough to see how this team puts together enough week in and week out to get there. <laughs> and I think Bill Belichick knows it too. Yeah, but you're saying that, and yet you think there's enough for the Jets to put something together week in and week out? Like, here's I, my I, argument. I, like, my rebuttal to that is simply the Jets and the Patriots, I would argue, have the same amount of talent. Like, they're both teams that lack a ton of talent. I, But on my side, I get a former MVP and the greatest head coach of all time and in a, a culture no, no, that, no. Is, that okay. is a culture that is used to winning and i get it they're both stretches I, I mean they're both teams that i don't think have any chance of legitimately making noise in the playoffs or legitimately winning a super bowl so we're getting a lot of worked up about nothing but i mean the the jets are a, 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 a you know a a dumpster fire they can't keep their best players health, uh, happy to even keep them in the in town and as much as i like donald cuz i like donald a ton too i just don't like where are the jets weapons how are the jets putting points on anyone okay i'll tell you though i'll tell you okay so you you'll you'll say julian edelman the the top receiving guy for the for the patriots right sure Okay, at this point in his career, I would say he's he maybe has a slight notch ahead of Jamison Crowder at this point. I'll I'll get I'll give Julian Edelman the nod. He'll he'll he's the better player. He'll make more plays. But Julian Edelman is not a superstar in this league. And a lot of a lot of what made him so good was his great relationship with Tom Brady right, that we all, right. all know about. But whatever, whatever. We'll 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 concede that. Fine. The weapons there are Chris Herndon, who I think is going to be a top 10 tight end in the league this year. Okay, just because of the talent alone that he has. I he agree, a he's a very talented guy. He's really talented. Okay, so he he is way he's light years better than any tight end that they have on that team. Okay? And we're talking about a quarterback in Cam Newton who had a great tight end for the majority of his career in Greg Olson. All right, but regardless, we'll move on from the tight end position. Running back, Le'Veon Bell, way better of a talent than Sony Michelle, in my view. And James White, while he is a quality piece guy within the scheme and within and he can catch passes and he can make plays, Le'Veon Bell is a great pass blocker. He has it all. He's he's a three down workhorse back. He's capable of doing those things. Offensive line. The Jets offensive line got better. The Patriots offensive line did not, unless David Andrews you know, um, as the center stays healthy and, and gets going. I actually don't know if he's opted out. I don't think he has. But so the offensive line there, to me, I give the nod to the Jets. All right. So that in my view, from those skill positions, I think the Jets have better skill positions to work with there. I don't think Cam Newton's a bad quarterback, but I also think I, I also think he's pretty 
inaccurate at this stage in his career for what, what he's shown us throughout the years is that he's a dynamic playmaker that can make huge plays, but is not always the most accurate. And the accuracy is weaned off in, in, as the years go on. And we're talking about a system that, look, I trust Bill Belichick too, but you're talking about a system he's going to have to create for a quarterback that he has never had to de- – he has never had a quarterback like this. I don't know how he's going to work within a scheme and a system – that requires accuracy because that's what it's been for so many years. He has the players in place that fit it within that scheme, but that scheme has to change now. All right. I mean, listen, I just don't see I will happily move on from this point. I just want, to, I just want it known you think the Jets are going to be better than the Patriots this year, and I think the Patriots will be better than the Jets. Let us make sure we write that down. And uh, we'll, we'll revisit that one for sure. For sure, yeah, yeah. Put the bold prediction horn or whatever. Because look, I'm not. I will concede that this is a bold prediction. I, I'm not. I'm not staking my life on this. No, like, I, know. I am so confident. And because I agree with you, both these teams. We're not saying that either of these teams are great. But nonetheless, that's just where I stand on that. And I have Miami. Um, I, I actually think Miami can can go six and ten. And I agree with you on that first port part. I think they probably go three and five that first stretch, um, but they could they could go two and six. They certainly could go two and six. They could go zero and eight. Even, that is a brutal schedule. I no, they're not going to go zero and eight. I, Flores is too good of a coach in my view to to let that happen. I mean, that takes a special team to go zero and eight. Um, and and with the you know the veteran leadership at the quarterback position, and uh, if they have to throw Tua in there, the talent of um, of a Tua, along with uh, Mike Kosicki who's a really good tight end. You mentioned the weapons on the outside. I agree. That's going to be a tough thing for them to, to deal with for sure. Um, but they're going to need some young guys to step up in the receiving core. There's no question about that. And the defense um, it has leaves a lot to be desired. I don't think they're going to be a good team. But I think the way they finished last year, they showed yeah. that they really buy into Flores. I agree. And I think he's a really good coach. So I think even if they start really poorly – that I think maybe the identity that Brian Flores is kind of creating, similar to a Mike Tomlin, we always will finish strong. We're going to be a team that it, come November and December, we're putting things together. I mean, they beat the Patriots last year, and they had no business beating the Patriots. Now, granted, it yeah. was you know crazy circumstances, but nonetheless, I mean, they have they have that ability, and I, and I could see them eking out a six-win season, but they'll they'll be the number four there. So, All right, yeah, I, we spent a lot of time they, on the AFC East, but they, they won't. You know, they won't for go good reason. They won't go zero and eight because they play the Jags. I forgot they have that Jags game in there, so they'll get at least one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly. And yeah. I and again, I I would not be shocked if they do end up in as a six-win team. I it, it just that 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 schedule. I just as I'm going through it, I just don't see them. I don't see where a lot of those wins come. All right. I'll move on to the um, AFC. What we're we going south here next. South. Yeah. Uh, I like the Titans. I'll, I have them at about eleven and five, winning the division. Uh, they bring kind of everyone back. I like a variable scheme. They uh, they a lot like the the like Baltimore. They have an identity. They're gonna they're gonna play that way. And again, they get two easy wins against the Jags. They play the Colts always well. And I think the Colts are 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 not much improved. I got to be honest. Um, I I'm not I'm not high on the Philip Rivers thing. I think they could easily um, find a way to go six and zero in their division. Uh, I I I worry about Houston. Um, I have Houston. I'll say I have Houston as the second team in that division. Um, I have Houston at, in the wild card hunt around eight and eight. 
Um, I, and I and I, that's all just Deshaun Watson. That is just purely a guy that I think is is a easily a top six, seven quarterback talent in this league. Uh, this 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 league is about quarterback play, and if he's healthy, they do have some other weapons. Um, but uh, man, oh man, it's going to be a lot of defense. It's going to be a lot of hoping to beat up on some bad teams when they have a chance to, and find a way to to squeak in and keep Deshaun Watson healthy. Um, I will go the Colts third in that division uh, around six and ten. Um, I think uh, that's fairly low end. I could see them maybe getting eight and eight. I don't see them being in the playoffs. I listen. Philip Rivers was bad last year, bad, and he was in a place he was comfortable. And I would argue had more weapons. Um, I like the running back spot. I like Mac. I, I like um, uh, Taylor out of Wisconsin. I think they're a great running back tandem. I liked uh, T.Y. Hilton. Can he stay healthy? I really like um, uh, the kid from USC uh, as the wide receiver. But yeah, Michael Pittman. Yeah. Yeah, but Michael. Uh, but uh, but Philip was bad. It's really bad. I, I like the offensive coach. I mean, I like Frank Reich a lot. I like that they can maybe you know maybe catch some people sleeping. Uh, I don't think so much. And then the Jags. I think. I mean, again, uh, if the Jags win a game. I, I mean, I, I I just don't know. The Jags possibly, I'll put them at one and fifteen. I think they'll. Are win. they going to be the next own sixteen team? I mean, they could, right? They're the best bet to do it. I mean, uh, they, are, they are. They are. They are going to be bad. They're going to be fun to watch because a Gardner, uh, he's going to get to a lot of playing time. And again, if they make it to three wins, four wins, would would it shock me? No, because it's the NFL. Yeah. But right. I mean, they. I mean, right now, I, I I'd say they're they're they are bottom bottom feeders, and that's what they want to be. So good for them. Yeah. Uh, we we agree in the uh, in the hierarchy of that as well. I think Tennessee is right up there, ten and six. I have them um, winning the division. You like the coach uh, Vrabel. You like the consistency. You like the way they play football. Um, balanced approach. They're gonna they're gonna kill you with defense, and then they're gonna pound the rock, and then come over the top with Ryan Tannehill. Now I don't see Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, blowing the lid off of teams like he did last season. I think that was a bit of a, you know, shock value, so to speak. But I also don't think he's going to regress to like nothing. He's he's a capable quarterback to run this offense. You have A.J. Brown in his second year, dynamic playmaker yeah. in the receiving core. Jonu Smith, a really talented tight end, a young tight end. You got Derrick Henry. Um, and obviously they got Darrington Evans, the rookie running back, who they're going to have on third downs, I would imagine, quite a bit. They have a lot of talent and a good offensive line. So, yeah, I think they're really good. I think Houston comes in there. Uh, I agree at number two uh, in the division. Eight and eight's where I have them as well. Uh, I could see them squeaking nine and seven. Obviously, you're just talking about a win there, uh, but I think they have that capability. I agree it's Deshaun Watson. Uh, Bill O'Brien hasn't uh, given me that much confidence that uh, the wins are going to necessarily all be because of the coaching factor there. So Deshaun Watson, super talented. Wish he was a bear as well. And uh, then we'll come number three. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it's an obvious hierarchy there with the AFC South. Indianapolis comes in there. I think they're probably a six and 10 ball club um, just because of, you know, the circumstances uh, surrounding everything with a new quarterback. And you mentioned all of that with Phillip Rivers. I think it's going to be tough. They've they've had their injuries. Uh, they're good at running the football, and they have a quality defense. Um, I It's just going to be tough to see them put together, you know, especially when they're playing Tennessee and Houston, which I, I th- those are going to be tough battles in, in that division, I think. And, um, you know, they, they'll they'll beat the Jags. They'll sweep them. But it's going to be a tough battle in that division, and I think everyone's going to kind of equalize each other out to where 
it's going to be tough sledding for Indianapolis. I love Frank Reich as well. I think the the Colts will be good soon, but they just they have to weather that hit from Andrew Luck's retirement, and that's a tough pill to swallow. But it's something that's going to take a little bit to get over. Um, and then Jacksonville, yeah, I I think my prediction was two wins, um, potentially three, but it could go either way with that. So I agree. I agree in that in that uh, you know structure there. I don't hate uh, Bill the O'Brien South. the coach. I mean, honestly, I I hate Bill O'Brien the GM. I mean, Bill O'Brien the coach. Well, that's the problem, right? Bill that's O'Brien the, problem. the coach doesn't scare me. I think he's actually a pretty good coach. I mean, I think he's a solid NFL head coach. Especially, I like him as an NFL head coach, but his time management in coaching yes, is a problem, and and that's the issue I have with Tomlin too. I'll, yes, I'll say that much. But it's he's killing himself as a general manager. It's like it is like it is like watching someone choke themselves. I don't get at all what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. It really it really blows my mind. All right, yeah. uh, let, all right, AFC West. Let's end it. Um, obviously, I, I have the Chiefs uh, around fourteen and two. Um, I could see the Chiefs. Um, you know, I could see them having a, a – I'll put it this way. I don't see them not winning this division, um, barring massive catastrophic injury, and I don't see them not being one of the top two seeds in the AFC. Um, I think their biggest competition is going to be um, with uh, Baltimore or Tennessee just because of their divisions maybe getting some easier wins uh, but I think that the Chiefs are, uh, to me, uh, going to end up the one seed in the AFC, 14-2. and two. I think they got better. The fact that they got Sammy Watkins back, I like the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, the, uh, the, that draft pick for them. I think they overall, I have a focused quarterback. I think they have a focused head coach. I think they have a focused team that is not going to fall into the Super Bowl hangover team. Um, and I think they are prepared to say, hey, this is our chance now to become the dynasty, to establish the dynasty, to establish that we are now what the Patriots were. And, uh, and, and, I, and I don't see them slowing down. And I think a lot of it is because I think they have some easy wins over Vegas. And I, and I think their schedule is favorable for when they play certain teams at certain times. But I, I think they're a juggernaut. Um, I, I have Denver as the two in this division. I have Denver at eight and eight. I have Denver battling. I have Denver in that wild card discussion. Um, I I have uh, my concerns with Denver. What you brought up a lot last week was just the 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 youth of the team, but I think they have a ton of talent, and I and I and I'm excited to watch Denver play for the first time in a couple of years. I can honestly say that excited to watch a young quarterback develop and see what they have to offer um, as far as competing for a playoff spot. Chargers, I have them at 5-11. and 11. I really like the Chargers' defensive personnel. I really like Anthony Lynn. I don't think this is a fire Anthony Lynn 5-11 and 11 team. I think this is a injuries are now are going to pile up. I think this is a young quarterback will get in sooner than he should. I don't think they'll have the patience that they have, that Miami's going to have with Tua um, because I think that uh, – with their legitimate injury concerns with Tua. And again, I don't think Miami's in any hurry to get good anytime soon. Um, so I could see them rushing in Herbert and uh, losing more games than maybe they should if Tarad was given the chance to to play a whole season. So that's part of what factors in at 5-11. And, and I have them, uh, Vegas, at around 5-11. and 11. I made it last week. I, this could this is the team that I could see there could be some real unraveling 
and a uh, John Gruden. Uh, I, I mean, I legitimately made the claim, and I'll stick to it. I think Marcus Mariota will start games not due to injury. I think he will start games due to this is the guy that gives us the best chance to win this week type of thing happening at some point in time in Vegas. Um, again, I like the wall or the tight end. A lot, I just I don't see them competing for the playoffs. So I'm going to have them. I'm going to go with turmoil for Vegas. That's that's where I'll lie there. Yeah, this is one of the probably the most competitive divisions in terms of just like talent and capability. Because I think we would we would agree that if the Chargers were to somehow pull off an eight and eight season or something or a nine and seven season, it wouldn't shock us entirely. No. And even if even if the uh, the Raiders did the same, it wouldn't be a complete shock either. But there's so much variance in this division. And a lot of it's because they're all competing against each other and they're all competing against the Chiefs. And that's going to be a tough one. I have the Chiefs at number one there. I agree with you on that one. Uh, I'm not sure about 14 and two, 13 and three is where I had them. And that for me, that was kind of the, the high cap um, there just because of the makeup of their team. They will get probably into shootouts with teams more often than they should. And, you know, I'm going to give another team the benefit of the doubt in a couple of those situations because the Chiefs, uh, I don't think, are going to be able to pull a 2019 playoff situation where they're coming back from 21 points week after week after week. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of the situation I have. They're still the best team in the AFC, in my view. Uh, second seed there. Um, now, I'm going to agree with you with Denver as well, because um, you know, I think this team's got a lot of talent. They do have a lot of youth. There's a lot of issues to be uh, said with that. But Vic Fangio being a good defensive coach does help the team in terms of a situational football. What what kind of game situations will they be in? I don't see them battling from behind in large deficits consistently. He's going to keep them in games, and I think they'll be able to do well in the time of possession game. They have two good running backs. They uh, you know have a lot of playmakers on offense, and I think Drew Locke shows that he's a very capable NFL starting quarterback this year. I have them going 9-7. and seven. Um and, and making the playoffs, um, which we'll get to those seedings in just a moment. But um, Los Angeles Chargers, this one was tough for me because I kind of had, I didn't know who to put fir first and last in terms of uh, the Vegas Raiders or the Chargers. And I I'm going to give the Chargers the edge here because of the coaching from Anthony Lynn and, and the kind of what he's created there and their defense. Their defense is still good uh, despite the loss of Derwin James. They still have a lot of talent there, able to get things going. Uh, and stay in games and you know they still got Austin Eckler they still got Keenan Allen they still have Mike Williams they have talent oh, on yeah. offense and th that'll get them that'll get them some more wins than I think the Chargers in this particular situation or the uh, Raiders in this particular situation and then I have the Raiders at the end there probably going six and ten seven and nine I agree with the unraveling I, I just feel like they're trying to end the entire era of the Gruden Carr situation, even though I don't totally understand it. I like Derek Carr. I think he's a good quarterback. It just may not be a right fit here, but with John Gruden inserted into the mix and kind of creating some of this tension, I don't necessarily see that boding well for them. And I don't think they got a ton of a lot better. They did get some good, you know, defensive pieces and they got Henry Ruggs there, a splashy offensive guy, but it's, you know, how much is that going to pan out year one? It's going to be tough for them this year. So looking at the seeds real quick to kind of go through what we've already talked about. Number one seed, I have Kansas City there at 13-3. and three. 
they'll be the number one seed. I have Pittsburgh at number two seed at either 12 and four, 11 and five. I know it's kind of a cop out, not willing to commit, but I think it, it still counts because the rest of these guys I don't have at those records. I have Buffalo at 10 and six at the three seed. Four seed Tennessee at 10 and six as well. Just Buffalo gets the tiebreaker in that seeding regard. Uh, number five seed, I have Baltimore. I think they're extremely, um, you know, tough team. I think they would ha- be the three seed if they were in a different division, as I have them at 11 and five wins, um, potentially 12 and four as well, with Pittsburgh getting the edge there. Uh, I have Denver as the six seed, and then I'm going to end with Houston as the seven seed, although. I was kind of having a toss up there about whether or not they, it would be them or the Browns. But I think if they're both a 500 team, I'm going to give the edge to Houston um, just based on the makeup of that team. And I think they have uh, the potential to probably eke out one more win uh, than the Browns, at least in the conference. So that's how I have them. Okay. So I, I totally, uh, we, we align on as far as the, the teams, except for one. Uh, I have the Chiefs as the one seed. I'll take them at 14-2, and two, so they get the bye week in the wild card weekend. Uh, I have the two seed as Baltimore. I, I really don't know how you can look at – I'll be interested. I, I really don't know how you can look at Baltimore's schedule and see five losses. That's going to be interesting. I'm going to keep my eye on it. I have them at 13-3, and three, and I'll have them at the two seed. Um, I like, uh, I like uh, Tennessee at, at three, at 11-5. and five. I like Buffalo as the four seed as your division winner at 10 and six. Here's where the wild card matchups come in. I have on wild card weekend, the number two, uh, Oh, uh, here, no, I'll go from, I'll go four or five. So I have Buffalo, the four seed playing the number five seed Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's going to be your number one wild card at 10 and six. Uh, again, I like Pittsburgh as much as you do. Um, I, uh, I just don't think they have enough talent to be as consistent uh, and as far as winning goes, uh, is Baltimore. Uh, I have your uh, other wild card weekend matchup. Then the um, the uh, three seed versus the number six seed. I have the Titans as your three seed versus New England as your six seed at nine and seven. So I'm going to wow. trust New England. Right. I got them at nine and seven, uh, and, I, and that's kind of my biggest boldest uh, thing as I look at the AFC. And then I will take. Um, the two-seed Baltimore versus the seven-seed Texans. I give the Texans the seven-seed. The Chargers were – I mean, the De- excuse me, Denver was my next man in, uh, as well as then Cleveland. Uh, they would be the other ones I think are be going to be close to battling. I really don't see Cincy, Miami, Jets, uh, Vegas, Chargers, or, uh, or Colts uh, being playoff teams in the AFC. I will say the AFC is easier, in my opinion. We, I was looking at the NFC, and we'll do NFC next week. I agree. The yeah, NFC has better quarterbacks. They have better rosters. I think there's better coaching in the NFC right now. I think the NFC is a fist fight in most of in, in three of the four divisions. I think it's absolutely bare knuckle fist fights, and we'll get into it next week. Uh, but there you go. Uh, that's the AFC for us. So we both like we, you just you and I are just swapping Denver and New England. That's it. Well, that's fine. I, I you know I, I don't hate that. I, I can I can. Yeah, to- they're pretty close. I, I can mean, totally respect that. Yeah, 
yeah, I think we agree on, on largely the makeup of how the playoffs are going to look. Man, you, you look have... I, I wouldn't be shocked. It's it, You can't ever be shocked if the Patriots make the playoffs. The... So I, that would not surprise me at all. Um, Baltimore you know, losing and, five games. I'll be interested. All right. Well, well, here's the thing. So, so I, I, I think they will be twelve and four. I just think Pittsburgh will be as well. But I, I'm right. giving the variable of there being an eleven and five. But I think both of them have that variable being eleven and five. And I think that 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 win or loss will come from each other in one way or another. Okay. So, so to me, I think that's what's going to tip the scales in favor of who gets that that nod. I just think Pittsburgh will be able to pull that out. And I still think the reason for that is I don't think Baltimore is, is a team that has proven that they're very good and competent when playing b- from behind. Agreed. And I think that happens more this season. Agreed. I think it happens more this season because I think teams will start to figure out Lamar a little bit more. He's still going to be dynamic. He's still going to be an extremely great playmaker, but I don't think he'll be able to run nearly as much and as often as he was last year. And they'll be they'll have to rely on the passing game more, which may lead to more possessions for the other team. I think that's going to lead to maybe a few possessions there that Baltimore doesn't continue uh, because they right. have to pass on third and long versus third and three. I don't. So that's. I don't hate those that. Are my situation. I don't hate that. I think there's a lot of truth rooted in that, and uh, we'll definitely wait and see. I I I agree. Baltimore's not going to be as prolific as they were last year. I think defenses will catch up a bit, but that defense for Baltimore, I think, even with losing Earl Thomas, the Clayus Campbell addition, I it just. That's Baltimore's a, is a beast, is a juggernaut, and uh, so it's going to be. I, I agree, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun the, with the AFC predictions. Uh, this is always like an exciting time of year because you get to just uh, kind of sit back and, and make your bold predictions, uh, see what kind of records teams are going to come out with uh, before any games have been played. So, obviously, uh, things will probably change week one when we, when we start to see some stuff happen. I know. Nonetheless, it's a lot of fun to kind of go through that stuff. And uh, here we are an hour, 15 minutes in. We always we're, we've been shooting for an hour here, folks. But look, I mean, this is we love football. And when you're doing AFC predictions uh, and NFC predictions, which we'll do next week. Yeah, there's there's bound to be a, a few extra minutes taken up there, especially when you got some disagreements going back and forth. And we want to flesh things out. So that's just the nature of this. I don't know, Mark. Do you want to do the what if segment or should we save this one for next week? I, I you know what? I would like to do it really quick, just in the sense that um I think um we let's keep it short as I think it's a brilliant question and I think it's one that's not being asked but needs to be asked. So let's keep it short and uh I would rather I would rather cut fantasy football out of this one, stay with what if and uh and uh, and roll with that. We're gonna save the fantasy football talk for later. That's for uh, sure. That, that's definitely for sure. We'll we'll extend that um, to next week. But yeah, uh, what if segment uh, is uh, a, a good one at the end of this each show here, where Mark and I will kind of pose a question as to uh, if a certain scenario were to take place, either throughout the course of the season or by season's end, uh, what are the necessary outcomes or what are the potential outcomes um, of that action or of that scenario? So. Um, something to kind of ponder here as we get ready. So what if is the big question here? What if the Browns show no improvement this year are middle of the road and end up missing the playoffs mark? It's a, it's an interesting question because tied with it is what does that mean for Baker Mayfield here in a pivotal year where you're supposed to kind of take that next step and uh, you can't necessarily blame 
him entirely because of the coaching carousel. But at the same time, if you're a quarterback that was taken as highly as he was, top pick, you're expected to make the playoffs, especially with this these amount of weapons at, at your disposal. So I think it's a great question. I think it we can answer pretty simply because we both have Cleveland missing the playoffs being very middle of the road. Um, right. I think I think there's there's a different way to go. If the question is they're middle of the road, that's what you're asking me. Middle of the road, so what we have them in is eight and eight. Because I think it's a different question, and I'll quickly say if they are bad, and he looks bad, well then obviously they new regime they move on from him. They don't pick up the option, maybe try to trade him, or or they just draft a young guy, the quarterback, and they're going to go into an open competition or something like that. Now if he is if he plays fairly well but doesn't take the leap and they're stuck. I think his situation is just like the Bears did with Trubisky. I think they go into the next year with him. The Browns commit to him by not picking up the fifth-year option, just like the Bears didn't pick up the fifth-year option. They maybe bring in a veteran, maybe draft a guy in the third or fourth, and they say, listen, Baker, we need this is your final kind of chance here. Because uh, they won't be in win mode, now mode anyways. They have a younger coach they're going to want to commit to. Uh, that that GM, you know, they they they're they got that new regime, and uh, they'll say they're. I think they'll be comfortable with the ownership and willing to give Baker one more year, and then they say uh, you go from there. So I, I think um, if they're middle of the road, and Baker is middle of the road and doesn't lead them, he's not a Pro Bowl and he doesn't lead them to the playoffs. I think you trade. Uh, one, I think you you end up then you trade at the end of the year. Uh, 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 OJ OBJ and you tell Baker we're gonna we're gonna not pick up your option and uh, you got one more year to kind of prove it and this is kind of it try to build around a different system and keep going with what Stefanski wants and uh, and we'll see kind of like how the Bears do with Trubisky oftentimes in the in those types of situations if you're picking up the fifth year option you're working on a long-term deal at the same time. You're working on something where you can get a long contract. So this is what I'll say about that. I, I think they would, if, if this scenario were to play out in the way we're talking about, where there's not much improvement, they miss the playoffs, and they're kind of just middle of the road, I, I still think what the Browns will do, not what I would do, what the Browns will do, I still think they'll pick up the fifth-year option. But I don't think that any sort of serious contract talks will be in place. I think they're going to send that message along to him that we're going to pick up your fifth-year option, but this is by no means some sort of long-term commitment to you. This is a commitment for the next two years, and during those two years, we'll see how the makeup of this team can be put together with this new regime. I think Stefanski's there for the long haul, and by that, the long haul in, in Cleveland is like three, four years. Yeah. I, I think he, I, I think he's, he's going to be there for at least five years. I think they're going to give him – the amount of time he needs to put together what he needs to put together. And that will give him two years of Baker Mayfield, maybe three years of Baker Mayfield, and uh, an opportunity to maybe bring some other guys on board if they're not seeing much improvement. I think they'll take up the fifth-year option, but I agree it's kind of like it'll be a situation where he knows what's up, and he knows that if I want to get my second contract, that that next leap into some real serious dough in the NFL – um, he's still going to have to prove something uh, because it's just not going to come with a, a major extension. So those are my thoughts on that. But it is an interesting question. The Browns are going to be in the spotlight for much of this year. Uh, you and I both think they're going to be 8-8 eight and eight, right around there, not make the playoffs. 
And, you know, it's going to be, once again, the Browns showing some life somewhere. And then it's it just can't get over the hump. So we'll see how, how that works out during the course of the season. But that has been the Football Lounge. This has been a good one, Mark. Uh, the AFC prediction is always exciting. We know who we have for our AFC seeding, one through seven. Um, and, man, I, I can't believe I missed that on the uh, – <laughs> the NFL playoff um, mixture there. Just everything's due to COVID now, right? Well, I mean, you know, that's kind of – Well, it's one of those things where you don't think about it. I mean, it's legit. I mean, I, yeah. I, I get it. Like, there's still it, things – It feels like that happened so long ago. Yes. There's it was so long there's ago. There's still things that are uh, – that, you know, it's like I said, there's going to be people who week one see Stephon Diggs catch a touchdown for Buffalo and be like, wait, what? You mean, like, because of everything that's happened in the world of sports – since a lot happened with the NFL. And the NFL, remember, carried us a lot through the beginning of COVID by announcing these rule changes with the CBA, with right. the draft, with the free agency. But they have been on such a back burner. I was just saying the other day to a friend how, you know, I was preparing for my fantasy draft and I literally was blown away by some of the stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. Because you're not watching even preseason football right now. You're not getting depth right. charts. Yeah. We have no idea with de certain depth charts and certain teams and things like this. So uh, it's going to be wonky. It's going to be weird. But that's why we're making these predictions now. We'll make the NFC next week. You can hold us to it. We'll hold ourselves to it. And uh, all right, the biggest the biggest one we got right now is Jets versus New England. We vehemently yeah. disagree yeah. on Jets versus New England, we, but we uh, we'll see what happens. We wildly disagree on that. Yeah, so that, that'll be fun to watch, and we're going to keep an eye on these. I'm sure throughout the season as that progresses, uh, we'll be able to kind of throw these into the mix and throw some shade at each other, um, you know, through the first eight weeks. If Miami's 8-0, no, then we'll both look like idiots. <laughs> get but, get, um, get I highly doubt that's Get ready happen. for next week's episode because yeah. the NFC, I got to tell sure. you, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of this is just. Oh, yeah, it's so tough. You're, it's you, there wild. are so many. I mean, the a NFC North, South, and West. I mean, you could make a you can I could honestly make a case for each one of those teams in the AFC North. I mean, the North, South, and and West, each one of them to be a playoff team. Well, I, for the most yeah. part, yeah, well, I don't we'll, disagree. Uh, yeah. The a NFC East is and a, two it, from the East too, so it's like yeah, I don't think know. two from the East. We you don't get think the Eagles and the Cowboys? Oh, I don't think could, the Cowboys. Uh, could, we'll go we'll talk about it next week. All right, we'll, we'll, I'm we'll anti Cowboys. <laughs> Very good, very good. All right, well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we are at the hour 20 mark, but I hope you enjoyed it. This has been episode two. We will keep these going on a weekly basis. Stay tuned for updates. We'll get some social media pages uh, coming up shortly. Uh, we got some exciting graphics in the work. Lots of good things coming up with the developments on the show here. But this has been the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan.